Welcome to this uh, latest Who's Round. I'm Toby Haydock and I am your servant. introduce herself and tell me why I'm talking to her about Doctor Who. Hello, I'm, I'm Pamela Ann Davy, that played Jan Lee in uh, The Power of the Daleks, uh, Doctor Who. And do you know, um, it was uh, 50 years ago last night uh, here in the UK, it was 50 years ago that I think episode 5 of that was broadcast, so we are actually speaking... Um, 50 years away from the actual broadcast in the UK of Power of the Daleks. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> 50 years ago, how, um, how did you come to be in Doctor Who? Can you remember? No, I really can't, actually. I, I was asked to be in it, I guess, and I, you know, went along and, and started rehearsals, and it was just one of those things. It was lovely. We had... We had a lovely time, I must say, because uh, there were some super people in the company. Uh, one was particularly Sir Stephen Scott, who was a great friend of mine after it all ended, and and, and Nicholas. Um, his second name was. Do you remember his second name? I don't remember. But yeah, Nicholas Nicholas known. Nicholas Hawtrey. Pardon? Nicholas Hawtrey. Hawtrey. Yes, he his um, great grandfather was a very famous actor. Yes. Yes, yes. Mm. Anyhow, his wife, Joan, used to come along and and uh, pick him up from rehearsals, and we became great chums and had lots of evenings together, you know. So, yes, yes, no, I had some good friends out of Doctor Who. And uh, Stephen, particularly, he was, he was a great hoot. He... Uh, one day he was telling me this story and he, you know, came over to me and he said, oh, come here, you know, and I said, oh, yes, and we both sort of stood together. It was during a rehearsal and on the floor and uh, he started to tell me this little bit of gossip and I said, yes, 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 and then he finished off and that was all right and then we both suddenly looked down. We'd both been leaning on a Dalek so he'd heard it all. <laughs> <laughs> the man was. And Stephen went one way and I went the other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we said, perhaps he doesn't know who it was, <laughs> but of course he would have. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I, I think those Dalek actors, I think they had all the gossip because uh, uh, yeah, everyone forgot they were in there. Yes, exactly. You just didn't think about anybody being in you know that creature <laughs> and it was um, no no it it was it was patrick troughton's first first episodes as as the main character do you remember uh, anything about oh, working yes, with patrick oh yes very very much so yes yes he played a little flute a mm. little tiny flute mm, or a tin whistle yeah a, rec a recorder a recorder is that what it was yeah, yes yeah. yes yes you, you know more about it than I do. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, very misspent youth. <laughs> oh, dear. 
so t- well, because t- you said you stayed friends with Stephen. So tell me, tell me about Stephen, because he was also uh, he was in Quatermass as well. He seems to have been quite a character. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, um, I, oh, he, he was he was quite psychic actually. He, I can remember when he first met Joan, that was Nicky Hawtrey's wife. He he said, uh, oh, he said uh, you're a plantagenet like that. And from nowhere, you know, and she said, yes, yes, I am, you know, <laughs> really quite spooky. Extraordinary. Well, well, Nicholas Hawtrey, I don't know if I told Nicholas Hawtrey now lives in, uh, in France, so I don't know why everybody who was in Power of the Daleks seems to have left the country, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, still, he's, it's a lovely place to be living, you and, know, if, and, if he's retired. Well, he's, 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 also, he's acted in the French language for the past 25, 30 years. Oh really? Mm. Oh yes, he was a clever old thing. Yes, yes, yes. So, so what about you? How, how did you come to be in the uh, the UK, and how did you uh, enter the acting profession? Was that was that uh, always your intention? Oh, oh well, yes, yes. I I went to uh, the academy, the Royal Academy, rather, and uh, won a scholarship, which was good. And then after that, uh, finished, terminated, I. I uh, I did Ibsen at the uh, Mermaid Theatre in Puddledock. Uh, it was Bernard Miles' theatre, Sir Bernard Miles and his mm. wife, Josephine, and uh, that lovely theatre that he built. And that was the first thing I did. And, and after that, um, oh, I did a funny thing. I, I My agent rang me up because I wasn't doing anything. And he said, um, would you like to do a bit of um, a part with Flanagan and Allen. And I said, oh, yes, yes, I'd love it. You know, I heard about these very famous comedians, but they're very, very old, of course, at this stage. And uh, he said, well, he said, you know, do, you know, go along to the BBC and you'll meet them and everything. Well, I did. And they were absolutely charming. And uh, one day I was sitting in the canteen, just having a cup of coffee, and John Hurt came up and sat with me. I was at RADA with John, you see. So he came up and sat down next to me. He said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm rehearsing. He said, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon? I said, yes. I said, they're the oldies, and that's when they come in to rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't come in before 2 o'clock. Oh. I thought it was so gorgeous. That was one, and he thought that was hilarious. Oh, what did I do after that? Oh, well, I went to um, also Barry Jackson's Birmingham Rep. Of course, yes. Um, yes, with um, and I was with Derek. Derek, course, Jacobi. Derek Jacobi. Yeah. Yes, yes, and the the two of us did uh, Traveller Without Luggage, and uh, yes, that was lovely because uh, Derek was. Then after that, uh, I did a musical called Mystic Universe. Well, Derek wasn't in that, but he used to come along and watch performances and 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 laugh and laugh and laugh. You'd no idea. <laughs> it just was hysterical in the audience. It was gorgeous to hear him. <laughs> that, that was directed by Bernard that, Bernard Hepton. That was written by Bernard Hepton was, and and um, oh uh, uh, Norman Bennett. Another young man. Norman Bennett. Bennett. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. Mm. And that was excellent. That was that was a great show. That was very popular. 
Uh, and then when I when I, I well then we did pantomime after that, and and that was uh, Beauty and the Beast. Derek played the Beast, <laughs> and one performance actually he he passed out because the heat was so much under this big head that he had to wear of the beast. It was just hotter and hotter and hotter he got, you know, and, and then uh, just collapsed. So uh, that wasn't that wasn't very funny. But, you know, we found out that the whole lot of us were getting, um, oh, pleurisy and all sorts of things. It was a terrible winter up there. We were all snowed in. It was quite fantastic, actually. But, uh, yes, no, no, poor, I think Derek ended up in hospital, in fact. He was very ill, anyhow. Well, well, you coming from Australia, how, how long did it take you to get used to the various differences in England, including, of course, the weather? I mean... Oh, I don't think it took me very long. I, I loved the English climate and the weather and things like that. No, I, I loved England. That was gorgeous. Back in those days, you know, the 50, end 50s, 60s, it was a lovely, lovely time. It really was. It was great. It was a super time. You'd done well at you because you'd done well at Rada, hadn't you? I, I, I think I told you when we spoke last week that you're mentioned. Oh, oh Rada! I can, I can, I can give you a lot of information about Rada. You know, I did all sorts of things at Rada. And I played Pirate Jenny. And you, you were there at the same, just... same time as John Thorpe oh. and Tom Courtney, weren't you? Yes, John Hurt, John Courtney. And John Thor. Yeah. I, I can't remember the play that we did together. John and I, we did it was almost a two-hander. It was about um, John Mills played it on film. Hobson's Choice. But, uh, yes, Hobson's Choice. Absolutely yeah. spot on. Yes, that's, that was Hobson's Choice. We did that together, and and that was good fun. That was lovely. Um. Just like the oh. Good Woman of Setswan, I played at the York Festival, and you know that that was a big success. But also, we we took uh, the apple cart, Shaw's apple cart, yeah, to to Switzerland. I, I'm trying to imagine what it must have been like because the acting profession is so different now. That um, did you feel that um, you know, with the birth of television and your, tra you know, your early theatre work, you're, you're going to Switzerland, you're travelling the world. I mean, did you feel were they heady times of excitement and discovery? Yes. Um, I, I, don't, I guess I really didn't think very much about it, to <laughs> tell the honest truth. I, I just loved the theatre. I just loved the theatre. But, of course, you know, there was no money in it at all. No. It was, you know, so poorly paid. And... The only way one could sort of make ends meet was to do the odd television and things, and, and that's exactly what I did. I, you know, did. Uh, um, I'm just trying to think. Well, you did, you know, of uh, course, you famously did the you did the Avengers twice. Yes, yes, and I did the Beautiful Summer. And David Giles directed me in that. Oh that yes, was gorgeous. That was a, a two-hander. Um, but also about the Abbey, which was incredible because it was it was written by John Betjeman, and I was doing filming in the um, in the cathedral, right? And he came in into the Abbey when we were filming and sat down next to me 
and started to chat and he watched my performance and then he said to me, well, he said, that's the first time I really understood what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, you know, because it was a sort of purple passage that I was relating over this, you know, gorgeous figure of this dead queen. And it was it was just beautiful, you know. His his dialogue was just stunning. So yes, so that was a thrill. That was a great thrill. I loved that. I loved doing that. Um. And is, is it right? Yes. That when when you did the, you see when I when I see write ups about the Avengers, there was a suggestion that uh, you could have taken over from Diana Rigg. Were you? Yes. Yes. Um. Because you, you the gentleman that played the lead in it. Yeah, pa was Patrick McNee. Patrick McNee. You see, I can't remember anything. It's terrible, isn't it? That's okay. It's a long Patrick time ago. McNee, <laughs> he came. He came to see me in the Malvern. Some of the things I was doing at the Malvern Festival. I think he came into rehearsals. I I didn't see him, but he came into rehearsals, and uh, I was doing A Man of Destiny and Drockers and the Lion and False Confessions. Um, they were the things that I was playing in for the Malvern Festival. And he, you know, he, he, he watched that, obviously, watched some of it anyhow. And then he said he'd like me to be in one of the Avengers. So then I was in one of the Avengers, The Living Dead. Mm. And uh, uh, he said he wanted me to be his, you know, to take over from Diana. Um, and uh, it seemed to be that, that that was, you know, what he, that was his preference because he said I was strong, you know, I could handle it. I obviously, you know, I'd done a lot of stage work and I could cope with it all. But uh, another director that was on it had other ideas. He had this other lass that was, um, she was from, Canada. Yeah, Linda Thorson. Uh, yes, and uh, but she only lasted a little while, and uh, she started doing all sorts of silly things. Apparently, oh, I don't know. You know, you've got to be told by, you know, people who 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 know what they're doing on set. If you if you've got to do something dangerous, it's like handling guns. You know, you you've got to be told. Like we were handling guns in in uh, in Doctor Who. And we always had someone who was in charge of all that that came and said, now, look, don't do this and don't do that and do this and do that, you know. Mm. And we had to be very careful. But, uh, yeah, well, that, she thought she knew it all, apparently, and told everybody what to do. So, anyhow, it, it all went another way, which is fair enough. You just never know what's going to happen. You think something wonderful is going to happen, and then, you know, 24 hours later, it's all changed round. So you just can't believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. Uh, you mentioned David Giles before. You did the first Churchills for him. You had a, you did a couple of episodes yes, of that. Yes, I did the first of the Churchills with him, and I did that other other thing with him, which was gorgeous. It was lovely. We did it. We went up to Scotland to to uh, film it. I love David. David Giles was fabulous. He was just gorgeous. And and I'll tell you, another director that I loved that was Alan Curtis. Oh, no, Ian, Ian Curtis. Ian Curtis, yeah. Ian, 
Ian Curtis, and he did Pity About the Abbey. Yeah. And he was delightful. He was delightful. I don't know, is he still around? He, he is, and he had, he, he had a very controversial play that he wrote about the Falklands that was banned. That, uh, oh, really? Has, that has since, since been put on. Well, he was delightful. We did Pity About the Abbey, and uh, that was gorgeous. No, that was lovely. But Bernard Hepton's another director, and Trevor Nunn, he was gorgeous. I mean, there's so many of them that was just so super. You know, you you do meet some lovely some lovely directors, there's no doubt about that. And what about actors that you worked with who were particularly memorable? Oh, well, I think, you know, Derek probably takes the, the cake there, Derek Jacobi. Was, we was it obvious to you he was going to... Be a, a a star even then. Oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And and like he came over here, and uh, he came to see me at my, my home in Tasmania, right? And uh, he couldn't understand why I'd left. He said, "Why on earth did you give up acting? You know, for this <laughs> Tasmania." I guess it's <laughs> a bit, you know small <laughs> but uh, you know then that was that and and then the next time he came i saw him again he, because he came doing the hollow crown of course well we were on skype and uh, there was a bit of a technical problem and i'd love to sort of edit it beautifully and uh, make it uh, seamless but i don't have the talent so something went wrong i got it right again and then we started talking again round about now i was invited by my agent to go and see Marcel Marceau and it was quite incredible. I, I went along and uh, I, I was all by myself and uh, he'd sent around a message because it was my agent that sent me, right? He sent a message to come and see him after the performance. Well, I was absolutely agog by him, you know, he was just so incredible. I just wrapped, totally wrapped. And uh, I went around and he said, well, you know, we better go and have some dinner. And I said, oh, you know, how marvellous. Oh, yes, that was nice, you know. So we did and we became firm friends. So every time Marcel has been to Australia, I've met up with him. Well, of course, dear man's passed now, but um, which is a shame. But uh, yes, so I met him each time and he came to my home which was nice which was lovely mm. well you, you must be one of the few people that knows what marcel marceau sounded like then that's extraordinary oh he sounded beautifully i mean he had a lovely speaking voice yes 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 no no he you know he spoke like all of us any of us yes of course <laughs> yes no no he was gorgeous yes 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 mm. so tell me about you then what um you 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 stop you i mean your last television credit is in 1970 which is a series of the freewheelers that's another thing that sadly yes. doesn't, doesn't exist anymore yes yes i played um aristides colonel yeah. aristides uh, you, that was you, it that was the, uh, the then i literally i came home i came yes i came home after that so what, what i mean have you 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 know you were in the 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 you know, your career was going well. You seemed to be in constant work. You're mixing telly and theatre, yes. playing good parts. 
Um, yes, I suppose so. I, I think I, I came home, uh, my mother was killed in a car accident, and I was doing uh, a film called The Amsterdam Affair over in, in Holland. And, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they let me go, and I, I went off and, and uh, you know, saw my mother, and uh, I got... Fin I had to come back and finish the movie, of course. So I did, and uh, yes, that was that. And then after that, I I just became very, I don't know, I was morose about the whole thing, you know. I just, uh, everything I seemed to do, I did for my mother, if that makes sense. I, You know, I know she wasn't there, she was in Australia. But we used to, we used to, you know... Um, write to one another and, uh, you know, I'd be writing a letter a week at least and so would she. And, uh, you know, it was a, a wonderful thing and she enjoyed my career and, and hearing all about everything I did. And, uh, I don't know, I just felt so alone after, you know, she'd passed away. And I don't think I could come to terms with just being there in England, you know, sort of by myself. It felt as if I was all by myself. And so, yes, I mean, um, I did, you know, I, I mean, one of the things I do regret, um, and I saw him on television the other night, and it was Stephen Burkoff. Mm. I can remember Stephen coming and calling around to see me and said, oh, come on. I, I want you to join the company and and uh, play Lady Macbeth to my Macbeth. And I would have loved to have done that. I would have loved to have done that. But uh, but something happened there. Something happened there. I think um, I went up, or oh, Charles Marrowood said, you know, do, uh, oh, the, the thing that I took up to the Edinburgh Festival, Gallows Humour. So I think... You know, that came instead, or or whatever. I don't know. Something came in, but in between that and and going and uh, working with Stephen. But uh, he's such a fine actor. He really is. Does throws in some fabulous performances. Would have been quite intense, I think, doing the Scottish play with him. I think that would have been a memorable experience. Oh yes, absolutely. I would have loved it. Oh, for instance, when they. When he brought his his company, like this is not in England, but when he brought it to Australia, he he came to Tasmania, and of course I saw him there, and you know, and then all the company came round and 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 had food and drinks and everything at my place, so that was nice, you know. I really all got together there, but uh, yes. So I don't know. I just found that it was all. I don't know, just, and I think it was the time when everybody was stripping and you had to strip and you had to do this and that and all the rest of it, and I don't know, I didn't want to come at it, you know. I kept thinking, oh, my daddy wouldn't like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it, you know, well, it's, it, well, I don't know, it's not, it's not a, a, you know, it's not an unusual um, thing to consider, I think, and certainly what some actors and actresses um, have to do now in terms of you know, and it's all tied up in oh. contracts and all of that sort of thing. Oh gosh, yes. Mm. But not not for you. 
No, I'm afraid it wasn't. It just wasn't. I, I just couldn't come at it. I think that's fair enough. So, but did you, I mean, because you went, you went home, obviously, under very difficult circumstances, but did you not, could you not have picked up uh, your acting career in Australia and, and carried on there? Well, well, I did, and I was, I was offered by uh, the man who ran our, our uh, Royal Theatre, uh, Royal Hobart Theatre, he he said, you know, anything you want to do, do it. But, you know, by that time I, I'd got married and I had a small child, so you, you just haven't got the time to do theatre. Mm. You know, going out to theatre in the evening or rehearsing during the day or whatever, I mean, it's just very difficult doing that sort of thing. And what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh... Oh, but I did some television now. I did a thing called Mrs. Harding Teachers, and that was all about, you know, using um, all sorts of uh, technical gear and and bringing it into the classroom. And, uh, yes, and that was by... John Honey directed that. Then I did... Uh, Fatty and George, which was a little series for children, and John Honey directed that as well. And then I did, what did I do? Oh, Around the Bend, which was just a small thing. But, uh, yes. But uh, there were the three things I did, but I, I didn't really do a lot over here, no. Because I was in Tasmania, you see, and most of the activity theatre-wise and, and uh, film-wise, is all on the mainland. Mm. And, did and you... they've got lots of wonderful actors and actresses, as you, I'm sure you know. Yeah. Now, I mean, they're fabulous, just fabulous. Mm. So, how, I mean, how, how is it when you... Do, I mean, is it, like, is it like two different lives when you when you think about your your life acting and then your, your subsequent life? I mean... Did, Yes, totally. Totally. Yes, it is. Totally. I don't think my husband liked the idea of of uh, the theatre and the the television and all that. He, I mean, he didn't didn't want me to go back into it. That's for sure. So, no. What I did was I I used to do a quite a lot of charities. For instance, I was. I was in Inner Wheel. I don't know whether you know any of these things. And I was the, the uh, president twice. And Cancer Research, I was president twice there. And Lord Fraser Home for the Blind and Elderly. And the Voluntary Community Service. So I was, I was doing quite a few charity things, you see. So I wasn't... Yes, I mean, and I could do those things. Mm. And still have a home and family and, you know send a boy to school and all the rest of it. And, uh, well, and, that, and you see, you list off those things, that, that certainly makes acting seem far more trivial when you're talking about cancer research and oh, you know, helping people. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes, for sure, yes. I mean, one of the things that I did was, during my, my uh, term with the cancer research, was bring Ian Fraser down from... Um, uh, I'm just trying to think where he was now. But anyhow, he came down. He he found a cure for uh, cervic cancer. So, I mean, it's 
quite incredible. Amazing. For women, yes. I mean, it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing for him to have done that. And she came down and we had a big reception for him. He was, he was wonderful. Well, look, I've uh, I've taken up more of your time than I said I would, so let, let me round off with a... No, few... no, 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 it's fine. I, I just seem to have come to an end. No, that's, that's, that's <laughs> fine. I have... Um... Do you know, it doesn't seem like 50 years, though. Does it not? The time has gone so quickly. Well. It really has. Um, well, look, um, I don't know if I primed you for this, that this this podcast, this this interview that we do, is, is something that I, I put out on the internet for free. The listeners download it for free. I don't get paid for it. You don't get paid for it. But we do ask you to nominate a charity so that the listeners who listen to the podcast for free will dig deep and uh, for your time, they will donate to a charity of your choice. So if you would like to nominate oh. one, I will... I will then lead them in it, it, it in its direction. Well, I'd like it to go to cancer research. I mean, I'm sure you've got cancer research over there, haven't you? Oh, definitely. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Cancer research. Uh, I started doing this project to celebrate 50 years of Doctor Who. As we speak, we're celebrating 50 years of Power of the Daleks. Um, what is your message to the Doctor Who fans, Pamela and Davy? Oh. <laughs> Oh, keep watching Doctor Who, and it's getting better and better, isn't it? I mean, it's wonderful now. It's super Doctor Who's that we've had. They've been superb. Oh, so you've been you've been keeping up with it? Oh gosh, yes. When I can, I do. I, because I think that some of the Doctor Who's have been just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And of course, there's so much more, you know, technology and things that you can do with that we couldn't do in those days. Back then, we didn't have the, the equipment. But now, I mean, it's stunning. It's gorgeous. Yes, no, no. Keep watching Doctor Who. Oh, amen to that. Well, Pamela and Davey, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> thank you, Toby. Oh, that was brilliant. I hope that was okay for you. Oh, dear, I hope it was okay for you. It was great. Honestly, it was great. And it's Oh, I love that. Uh, thanks to Pamela and her charity. Well, she suggested cancer research, and we have one in the UK, www.cancerresearchuk.org. If you're an international listener, uh, I would say donate to your uh, branch of, uh, of cancer research charities. And actually, cancer is such a pernicious and bespoke thing. If you have a cancer charity that is your favourite, uh, donate to that in uh, Pamela Ann's name, and I'm sure she'd appreciate it. Now, listen, the reason this happened is because um, John Kelly, who did all the extras for the Power of the Daleks DVD, uh, tracked Pamela Ann down, uh, but his letter arrived too late, and she called him and said, I'd love to take part in the DVD, and by then the commentaries and the documentaries had all been recorded and the DVD was out. Uh, so he rather selflessly uh, put Pamela Ann in touch with me and recommended Who's Round, and she embraced it, as you heard, with open arms. Uh, and Big Finish, who gain nothing from plugging a BBC Worldwide product, which is the Power of the Daleks DVD that has just come out. 
said, uh, absolutely, let's pull it forward in the schedule and uh, celebrate 50 years of Power of the Daleks. So there's a lot of people there doing stuff they needn't have done in order to get this out to you. So thanks to them. Thanks to John Kelly, to Big Finish, to Ian Atkins and to Pamela Ann Davey. And the next Who's Round will sound something a little like this. Strangely enough, I don't know how th through history, I've landed up in so many different forms of the production of Doctor Who, including having played Doctor Who. Well, intriguing Doctor Who, you say? Well, who else could we have but Doctor Who for the 200th edition of Who's Round, which is coming out at some point over the Christmas slash New Year period. We're not entirely sure yet, but uh, keep an eye out. Follow me on Twitter. I'll, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, before we uh, head off for revelry, can I just pause to remember two contributors to Who's Round who sadly passed away this year? Uh, Terence Baylor, fine actor, uh, surprised me by being a softly spoken working class New Zealander when he's played so many upper class British types, uh, including uh, uttering the immortal cinema line, I'm Brian and so is my wife in the famous Monty Python film. Uh, I stayed friendly with Terry and his wife Val and was very sad uh, when he passed away in August. Andrew Staines was a fine draftsman and very kindly gave me a sketch he'd made of Roger Delgado learning his lines on the set of Terror of the Autons. So, obviously I'm grateful to both gentlemen for doing the podcast, but uh, I'm especially glad that they did now. And I'd like to remember them by playing a couple of clips first. Terry uh, segueing onto an interesting observation about his feelings about appearing in the War Games, which I think exemplifies something about this podcast in the way that uh, Doctor Who can take us into many different directions. And uh, Andrew uh, revealing to me something I didn't know, which was his tie with uh, Barry Letts, the producer and indeed director who cast him in all of his Doctor Whos. Um, thanks to both gentlemen, I'd urge you to uh, seek out their Whos rounds, which are there banked in the archive, uh, to remember them. Um, and after that, well, happy Christmas to all of you at home. And uh, I'll speak to you in the next one of these. Bye-bye. I found it very moving because my uncle came with, from, with the New Zealand army, came, went in the First World War, went to Gallipoli, he was killed at Gallipoli, right at the very top, on Chanak Bear. This is a big memorial there. Francis Baylor was his name. He was just a sort of a simple barber from a small uh, country town, Monganui. And so he disappeared there. I think there's a, there are some stories, aren't there, in the battlefields about a whole battalion disappears. They went up the hill, there were puffs of smoke, and we couldn't see it, but they didn't know it never came down again. So he's in an unmarked grave. So I, I sort of had quite a strong feeling about that as a think of all the dead and forgotten people, really. Do you know? I knew I was a replacement. I had a tendency to be. I think Barry was very wary of using me for fear of, of being accused of nepotism because he was my uncle, literally. But he, he tended to sh call on me at like, short notice when people dropped out, and that was one of the times.
Doctor Who, short trips, the world beyond the trees. Hi, Dad. This is me. This is Liv. Of course, I know you'll never get to hear this, but you see, something's happened. Something which made me think of you. So much has changed since we last spoke, too hurriedly and too late. There's so much I could tell you, if only that were possible. Nixis 7, the Lorelei, the horizon at the end of the universe. But none of that's important, at least, well, at least it's not important now. You'd find this all far too vague, I know. I can imagine you peering at me over the rims of those glasses I was never sure you really needed and saying encouragingly, come on, Liv, deep breaths, arrange your thoughts logically, place them in the best order. So, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Just the way you taught me. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened, sensibly and calmly, and with a level head. I woke up a few days ago from a dream of unusual clarity. It was vivid and precise and almost not much like a dream at all, more like something delivered from very far away directly to my imagination. The doctor was in it, and he was standing in a rose garden. The doctor's a handsome man with close-cropped hair, and I suppose there are plenty who think he was dashing, even romantic. But not me. He's changed, you see, since I've known him, the first time we met. He's altered so much, and I know he's so much more complicated than he seems. Big finish. We love stories.